Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Writing the Rapids, the show where I, Joe Balecki, talk to writers about writing, and very often those writers have been recommended to me by other writers who have previously been on the show, or they've previously been on the show themselves in the event of a rejoinder episode, of which this is. This rejoinder episode, we are welcoming back Mike Correo, a multimedia artist and author of six books, including Smut Maker, Inside the Castle, and Gut Text. 11.11 Press, and for the first time, but hopefully not the last time, Evan Isoline is on the show. He's a writer and artist living on the Oregon coast. He's the author of Philosophy of the Sky, 11.11 Press, and the founder, editor of a literary project called Self Fuck. The two have collaborated on a book called Cephalo Negativity, which is out through Apocalypse Party Press, and we talk about the writing process of that book here, right after I ask you for some money. Hey, if you're a Patreon person, if you go over to patreon.com slash noisemakerjoe, you're hearing this episode before anyone else. And that's because that's one of the perks of being one of my Patreon people. You can see the other ones at patreon.com slash noisemakerjoe. Also, you can buy my book. It's called Tired. It's on Amazon. It's out through Alien Buddha Press. And it's pretty good, if I do say so myself. Also, paypal.me slash noisemakerjoe if you want to just toss me a couple of shekels as a one-time donation sort of thing. Sort of like a pat on the back, but with currency I can spend on a mortgage and student loans. So that's enough of me shilling for myself. Let's get into my conversation with Mike and Evan. Be it that this is the third collaboration uh, that has been on the show this year, um, I'm very interested to know how these things sort of come about. So what's the story behind you two collaborating on this book? Well, I guess I'll start with that. Um, at the time we started it, I think that it was spring or early summer 2020 where Mike and I were also working on editing my book with 1111 philosophy of the sky. And as that was winding down, I tossed out the idea of doing our own separate collaboration. Um, so it was me who brought it up. And then Mike came in more with some of the concepts. Yeah, I um, I mean, I'd kind of brought up working together in like, like kind of a theater kind of genre or like space um, and had sent me like a kind of short piece um, to kind of like give an idea of what he was thinking and feeling. And then I um, completely misread his email and didn't think that was the first piece of the the play. And so instead like accidentally <laughs> make a, or made a whole new first act um, <laughs> where I beheaded the main character immediately, um, which felt like a great <laughs> starting point. And we just kind of started riffing back and forth off there. We did like um, each of us did an act uh, or I did act one, he did act two, act three. So we kind of like went back and forth kind of responding to each other's previous entry um building up to what this became yeah i think there was also an unspoken thing where we both knew that we were working on our own separate books and projects and styles so i think it was fairly clear to me that you know certain things mike was bringing into it were coming from his own interests and work and um that was definitely true for me as well with some of the um, historical language and poetry and um, some of the oratory type stuff I was in working in on another book too. So that was kind of cool. 
Yeah, it was a lot of fun to kind of, because I tend personally to kind of pull in as many different kind of influences and sources that I can, whether that be like listening to like videos or music while I work and letting that kind of bleed in. So it's fun to have like the another author working on the same book that can bleed in. So while we're also taking like our own influence, their own work into it, it's fun to kind of play off each other and then kind of contort what the other person is doing in a way to like fit what you want it to do. And then the next act, they contort what you tried to make them do. And so there's this kind of like mangling that happens as you go that I find really compelling. So I would pull in like a clear influence. Like I can't remember what act it is, but I think it's about halfway through. I was listening to a bunch of this, uh, this like Detroit experimental electronic group called Drexia, which makes like these essentially like Afro-Atlantean like narrative like beats for lack of a better word and so like later on you start getting this kind of like underwater like very strange kind of like um like underwater futurism happening at a point where like the stage is getting like waterlogged and things and then seeing how like evan then comes in and has to take that and like kind of rearrange it into what he wants and so there's this kind of fun way that you're like forcing your own influences to an extent on the other writer for them to then kind of rearrange into their kind of vision yeah it was really it was great because um there was almost absolutely no conceits at all about the project that we knew about together except for what we already had in our own heads so it was just like this really weird prolonged email game of chess where it was like or like hot potato where it's like as it grew the thing became more and more weird and virulent and you're like finish your act and you throw it to him like all right now it's your turn and um yeah so it was weird we didn't do much planning out it was just this sort of mimicry game where you see what mike added into it and then you add more and take it in a different direction so it was really cool we really didn't talk about it at all yeah the emails would be like uh like here's what i did like document attached below and that would be it it would be like a brief description of what you were going for and then you're like looking forward to what you do like so there there was no planning or like like kind of any direction we gave each other it was very much just like we will make a thing that we will make it together like silently but like in sync because it never felt like we were like at least like unintentionally dissonant with each other like there were times that you're kind of trying to spurt the other person in a way but um, it never felt like we were out of sync. Like there was this kind of like unspoken flow that we were both tuned into. Mm. So how long did the initial writing take then? I tracked okay. it. I think it was like six months. Hmm. That feels right. I, I, it's funny cause I didn't like really keep track. It would be like, I'd get the email from Evan and I'd be like, okay, I have to do this now. Like there was some weird kind of sense of urgency to it. Um, or at least I think that might be kind of for me when I'm like working with another person, I feel like no matter how long I take it, it's too long. And so there's this sense that it's like, I must, I must make the thing now that it's in my hands. And so I would always like just immediately like jump onto it. Um, and so yeah, there was, this... was pretty quick with, <laughs> on a lot of the, yeah, some of the language and stuff, it took me a long time. And then, you know, yeah. also right in the meat of COVID too. Yeah between um you know emotions and layoffs and all the other fires and shit and pr yeah. i was protesting during the time too so there was like so much so sometimes my uh it took me a little longer 
Yeah, which is to say like a normal amount of time versus <laughs> my like uh <laughs> like Evan would send it back like a like a, a week or two and he'd be like, Sorry for the wait and I'd be like, I this is a normal amount of time. I've just been <laughs> like acting incredibly manically as I work on this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did you guys have any sort of uh parameters that you like set up for each other? I I didn't like count page lengths of acts or anything but it felt pretty like you know structured in terms of like you know there wasn't like a one page act and like a 60 page act or something anything like that like it it felt and and maybe this would have been different if i was more like equally acquainted with your work um but it it felt like there was a a singular voice in the making of it no, we didn't really have any parameters. Uh, we like knew that it was going to be a theater piece, um, but like other than that, it was a manner of at least on my end. I was like, I'm going to make each of my acts kind of roughly similar to the length of Evans, but like there was never this kind of sense that we were like, this is how long each section should be, or this is like the kind of content that should be in there. Um, with like the like kind of form and the structure, it was very fun to we kind of organically started playing off each other a lot with like the choreography or like different kind of formatting would get introduced in one person's act and then it would appear in the others. And so there was a kind of way that we'd start kind of incorporating each other's tool set as we went, but there was no real kind of like spoken set of constraints. Yeah. I, um, I guess we talked about it a little bit early before we started it, but um, I really love that type of collaboration. Um, like to me, it, is of a surrealist lineage that is kind of like a um just your classic um you know exquisite corpse drawing at a cafe with a friend or something where it's just like i don't want it i don't really don't care about any of your thoughts or theories just send me something and then like i'll react to it and i really love that so that's really it seemed really intuitive in terms of the form yeah um but it was mike though who basically you know basically signaled the intuition of it being close to being done mm. yeah and um i didn't know i guess i was gonna go keep going on with it longer but it actually it seemed it was intuitive also like when we got to the toward the end that it should go to outer space from the ocean it was kind of this yeah. weird kubrick ancient aliens type vibe that i was feeling <laughs> with it and my says something toward the end um let me i'm looking at the book right now oh a planetary stage it says chrysalis of the water room and then the next line is a planetary stage so that signaled to me immediately like a light bulb like all right now we're going to outer space so it was a lot of that interaction yeah anytime there was like a major like image or setting change it was like kind of like exquisite corpse where you just go with and you build kind of your own thing off of it um and none of that like kind of set change or like the addition of new kind of i guess i would say identities rather than characters um like felt unnatural it was never kind of a question of like editing backwards on each other's stuff it was kind of they send you it you're like this is like fantastic and then you work off of it kind of like unquestioning um it did very much feel like whenever at least whenever I would feel a section, it sounds the same for Evan, or receive a section. Um, it very much felt like you had this sense of where to go, even if it's not necessarily what the other person kind of had assumed or intuited on their end while working on it. 
yeah it was really fun to pick up on those little cues um like meticulously sort of reading through what the other person is sending so when mike sent the first act like he said he missed my attachment in the email where i had this other type of thing which was also linked because it was basically like this ghost trapped in a room walking around and just these weird descriptions of this spirit stuck in this room and so actually it kind of worked perfect better the way it worked out but so on the first page the first line is m is present this is mike's writing the stage is present the scene is present so immediately i get this cue that what we're dealing with is some kind somehow connected to beckett's m from play the one act mm -hmm. play that he wrote um, which stands in that case for man. So that was a cue that I associated. And then it says the stage is present, the scene is present. So I took that to mean that there were three presences, almost like three players. And Beckett's play begins with three presences in the form of urns with three um, characters in them. So yeah, there, it was just really cool how it kind of there's a lot to work with there. <clears throat> and it's really fun because, like, then Evan sent me an email after he, like, was asking about, like, what M was. And I was like, oh, I just picked a letter. Like, there's kind of this sense that it's, like, you, like, graft your own meaning. Um, that you're, like, a lot of the time it would be, like, this, they probably meant this. And then, like, in retrospect, I'm, like, he probably didn't mean that. Like, and I just grabbed that out of my own, like, unconscious. Um, I was trying to figure out, I think, if it was uh, had anything to do with your initial or if it that's was That's right, more... yeah. And then I made the Beckett association pretty quick. And then I liked yeah. the idea, like with Beckett too, that there was three stock characters, mm -hmm. like the idea of a stock character. So then it occurred to me maybe that, you know, all of the pretense or all of the idea of the hero's journey and storytelling can go right down the toilet immediately. And we can just get straight to manipulating this stock character. Yeah. I, I like that kind of like disregard for that kind of like hero's journey because you immediately I feel like with that set of lines I wanted it to be about like a spatiality that you're like we're we're not at the point where we can talk about what someone's doing we first have to figure out what's like there in front of us like what's occupying space and I like the idea that it's you can't even take that for granted and a lot of the time throughout the book we both kind of play off of this idea of like uh, there's a lot of abstraction and like stage directions where it's like if this was to be put on like it would be like adapting a movie from a book rather than just like doing performing a script like you have to make changes and like you have to interpret it in your presentation there's no kind of direct route right which i really find compelling yeah the stage directions start to like orate uh without a character and so like how do you put that on that's the thing you know i i've only read a few of these sort of plays inverse-esque plays but i i love that internal challenge of like how would i do this you know on like yeah. especially on like a community theater budget right like <laughs> how how would i with like a five thousand dollar grant like figure out how to do this um yeah and I, I i really like that a lot um also like flipping through the the beginning it really feels um like the chaos um 
gradually descends on the piece, right? Like, because it starts out with this philosophical, like, let's define our terms, like stage, players, <laughs> air, um, and then goes into, you know, there's diagrams and blotches and photocopies of other writing and, you know, um, the sort of, uh, I don't know, book object tropes, I guess. Um, I really like how it starts out like, okay, this is probably possible. We can probably do this as a play um, into, I haven't the slightest idea, flashing lights <laughs> and screaming sort of, maybe that'll be the way to do it. But um, I think, yeah, that was interesting because that came up fairly early on, which the, this idea of um, an impossible play, which to me, you know, that sounds cool, but really it's just like means kind of that it's meant to be a book you know, mm -hmm. in my opinion, um, which was really what we were going for. Yeah. There wasn't really any kind of conceit about like that. We were going to try to get this stage somewhere, but we do have relationships with people like Josiah Morgan and Logan Berry and, uh, people actually in theater. And Mike, I don't know if you have any relationship, um, to, you know, physical theater, um, Little bit, <laughs> a little. Oh yeah, yeah. I have a little bit. Mine's more with performance art and visual art. Um, I, w I have two different degrees in art, so I did some performance work in uh, graduate school. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so I was thinking more in terms of bringing that stuff into it rather than actually thinking about staging it. Yeah, very much. I kind of had this idea of kind of as. Um, Evan said where it was like it was always intended as a book because um, I find that kind of like theater as book very compelling like it's never kind of I feel like often you think of like the Samuel French script and like the shitty paperback that's like if you get it wet the whole thing's destroyed uh, and it's like it very much is almost like it's like begrudgingly exists so that someone can read it on stage whereas I like this is almost like um part of the reason that I really like the like on the theater of decapitation subtitles, it gives it that ambiguous space between like theory and like theater that you, at times you don't know whether it's like writing about theater or theater itself. And I think that kind of space forces you to like approach it strictly as a book rather than like trying to envision how it'd be performed other than like as a fun thing you're doing kind of in your own head. Like it doesn't feel like you're compelled to kind of hypothesize the performance. Um, in terms of performance art kind of background, I have only done two pieces of performance art. One was me uh, wrestling a man to Sun Ra's nuclear war for a friend's choreography, like, final. Oh, um, wow. <laughs> that seems fitting. Yeah, it, you know, I he asked me to do it, and I was like, yeah, this, you know, sounds totally normal to me. And then, like, writing a monologue for another friend's uh, performance. So I feel like my, my only kind of relationships to actual, like, kind of participation in anything performance-wise are both kind of skewed towards bizarre. Hmm. <laughs> um, I, like, that. I like how there's a musicality to it, too, I'm on one of the pages. Um, a musicality in terms of um, having, like, played an instrument in an orchestra and, like, um, you know, there's words on the sheet music to sort of tell you how you're supposed to play and like on this page it's body invincible body continued endless head uncircumcised like um 
there there's something about structuring something in that play form in a script form that um allows the reader to do more work than if you were to prose it out right like if you were to prose out uh something about the body being invincible right so you'd have to like add a metaphor in there or something some sort of like extra language um whereas just like saying that's what it is in in a space that would otherwise be like angrily um is is an interesting and really exciting sort of uh tool to use so i I liked the the usage of the script as framework to um do things with writing that you otherwise um would have a more difficult time expressing in like just prose yeah that's awesome that's real i think we were coming at it from a lot of different angles all at once like as mike said you know there's there's uh theory happening there's pseudo philosophical ideas um all kinds of literary things you know i also think of um you know ace of file and also like not i by beckett as well where the character kind of ideas mouth and like logaria and glossolalia so there was just like a lot of fun ideas bumping around there and i think it's really kind of the product of that yeah and kind of in my my kind of default setting mentally i always find a way to bring it back to like interactive or games but i very much like that idea of the the parenthetical after the name of us it's like the status effect like it's like the mm-hmm. line is happening but at the same time they have to cope with this in a sense almost rather than like um like telling an actor how to speak it's like telling a reader like what is also kind of like distressing the voice or like what's also kind of like the contingent um which i find often i kind of find a comedy in that like in the midst of attempting to speak the head is uncircumcised and stuff like that or like terraforming in the midst of trying to like orate like there's this kind of distraction that's occurring in the voice Mm. yeah speaking of which that kind of takes me somewhere else but yeah these different bodily illusions and metaphors I think is a huge part of it. The idea of hierarchy, the head, the body metaphor, beheading. Um, There's all kinds of different historical ways, you know, to lose one's head. Like we were talking about earlier with the green Knight, and, you know, it's super interesting. It seems like it's kind of this weird thing that just seems like sometimes the head needs to be taken off. You know, it's like, things get out of control things get virulent societies are too big you know like anyways yeah it's this really sort of deep social metaphor that was burning at the time in the states as well yeah and i like the idea of the the decapitation as it kind of isolates the body because i feel like that body is often kind of viewed as in service or the head or the brain or kind of that central node thinking of the body as like an arbor where everything kind of stems from that trunk um, so I like that once you remove the head, the body has to gain or at least like admit some amount of autonomy. And so then you can look at that for what it is and kind of examine it on its own isolated. Hmm. Yeah, that was a, a fun part. And then there's, I think, also another element that was kind of fun, which is like moving from kind of pastoral desert, like sylvan 
underwater, underworld, and then to space. You know, that was really fun to explore the idea of space in that kind of way as well. Yeah. And I think like a lot a of that time thing happening. Yeah, totally. And I think that kind of later section um, in part has a lot to do with, um, at least for mine, was like a lot of climate anxiety where like mm. it's like we're all going to drown. So like the underwater starts to emerge or submerge. Um, and then kind of like the extraterrestrial is this almost like kind of like evasion of like the earthly um, thinking of things on like a planetary scale. Um, I liked in your episode with Garrett where you talk about kind of the George Carlin, like the earth's going to be fine. Like the earth mm-hmm. is this like autonomous thing. It's like your relationship to it is the thing that's in harm's way. Right. And so I think that in part informs kind of that latter section on my half. I love that. I literally just watched that Carlin uh, mm. stand up the other night. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a dangerous time to watch George Carlin, man. Like, <laughs> ooh. Uh, I can't. I, I always, uh, I feel like throughout the pandemic, I've been quoting that, uh, you know, just think about how stupid the average person is and then realize that half the people are dumber than him sort of thing. <laughs> uh, just like which has been an unhealthy thought to be thinking for the past year and a half um i re i revisited bill hicks final stand-up in the uk uh recently and like oh man i was getting shivers that entire time that's yeah that's a good one to check check in on these days (laughs) i haven't seen that i'll have to look that up i have to check that out I have so little like experience with older stand-up or even content- like any stand-up at all. Actually, yeah, um, it seems like such a foreign thing to me. Um, which is, I mean, obviously itself like a type of performance, but it seems terrifying to visit like old comics because they'll make a joke and I'll be like, "Oh yeah, the regular thing that we all now do or like cope with." Mm. Like it feels <laughs> like it, there's like a kind of like a harmful like propheticness to it that I don't want to have to engage with. Like, I don't want to put myself in that position to be like, oh God, it's come true. Oh yeah. That's actually (laughs) super interesting going back to the book too. It occurred to me at one point that what we were doing was like a weird deadpan comedy. (laughs) Yeah. Where it's just this clown that is just getting destroyed up on this stage, you know, or this type of um, early kind of pantomime type of theater. So, yeah, yeah I, it was weird occurring to me that it was might be a comedic play. Yeah, and I like that you bring that up because it was you have uh, like a booklet that you wrote um, kind of in relation to the idea of the white clown, which was like one of the first times I had thought about the clown like in that more kind of like performative or like theatrical or artistic context. And I feel like that definitely kind of in part informed like how I approached the the like oration of this kind of just like sad loser that we've created (laughs) (laughs) yeah that that was interesting too yeah i was writing a a sort of uh, a short booklet length chat book piece um inspired by all of these early clown archetypes in theater and um while i was doing all of the research and writing the uh, joker trailer dropped and i was it was again one of those weird uh, par- you know parallel simultaneous type things where you're just like whoa this is getting you know it's on the public's mind for sure so but yeah so i think a lot of that sort of led up to these um these different voices and historical dialogues monologues 
Yeah, there's always this kind of like weird synchronicity that feels like it's popping up that'll like bring up a like topic or like a kind of image that I feel like is kind of out there or unusual. And then I feel like I see it like a week or two later. Um, or maybe I had forgotten that I saw it a week before. Um, like it seems present, <laughs> which is interesting that there's at least maybe on like a digital end with like kind of the like hyper density of like media online that it feels like everything's printed at once and so the moment you like bring something up you realize all the places that it's like also popping up simultaneously yeah totally yeah i don't think that m is payroll but nonetheless yeah there is there is a sad clownness there somewhere i think oh yeah in the in, <laughs> within the body horror and whatnot yeah um and there's uh, a funny bit at the beginning that i maybe kind of plays in that clownness of um there's an old game called dwarf fortress um and one of the early bits is um the scene is burning which is like directly pulled from one of the painting descriptions that is generated in dwarf fortress of like mm. the mule is burning so like comparing the scene to the ass or the mule, there's like always this like way to trace back to the farcical. I feel like in the book. Oh wow, I love that. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking a lot about paintings and like Peter Bruegel, and these landscapes that were burning or flooding or plague. Mm -hmm. So there was a medieval feeling there for with yeah. paintings. Kind of like in line with that. Um, I had been doing the the design for Logan Berry's um, runoff sugar crystal lake kind of while I was also working on this. And he had given me these or had shown me these Peter Duig paintings as uh, inspiration with there are these like kind of impressionist uh, inspired paintings of like the crystal lake setting. They're like super kind of speckly and like it feels like you're like looking at an image of like a landfill transposed over a lake. And so there's like this kind of air of like grotesque like trash heap in my head as we were working through it as well um kind of that thinking of that kind of dilapidation is rather than like a deterioration but like instead of build up of trash um that i feel like definitely kind of influenced me as i was going back when i visited in retrospect that's awesome i can't wait to see that book oh i'm beyond excited uh slightly off topic but that one was just logan being me doing a thing and logan going like yeah do more of that and so <laughs> there's like this kind of maximalism and access in the book and its design because logan just kept like nodding as i did more and more to the pages that's fantastic <laughs> um that's awesome is is the formatting in the book um the way that it was written or did you go through afterward and and mic it up um, for the most part, it was like this, and then I just kind of, um, there were like some minor changes made as I kind of moved it onto the page because I had done the typesetting. Um, some of the spacing in the sections, um, like the large spaces in the beginning of like Act One mm -hmm. and stuff like that with those big gaps wasn't there, but um, like all of the imagery that you see throughout, like the cacographic kind of scribblings um, was there. Um, but the... Uh, the flend 3D images that you kind of see throughout the silhouettes are new um, and the the kind of margins um, 
are a lot tighter now. I think they're less than a quarter inch because I wanted to kind of confine mm -hmm. you in it. Like the text is all encompassing on the page. Um, but for the most part, I want to say like 90% of the design was like this when we started, um, barring like a few kind of different areas throughout. Yeah, it was really cool to see. It was all Mike who put it together at the end. And with that comes, I think, some great continuity and some really fun uh, stuff happening with the pages that, you know, you wouldn't have been able to see in the original document. But yeah, like he said, there all those images we put in as we went, almost all of them. Um, yeah, and there, there was one that was really great that, that Mike sent. And um, I think it's uh, where it says performance of the birth. And I looked at that and the diagram seemed to me like because the word birth I associated it with some kind of weird biological diagram but then it occurred to me that it might be like dancing and yeah. so I started researching I immediately started researching online um, and doing just image searches with that image and found some kind of weird Scottish dancing and all these weird diagrams and there's I found this wonderful site where they had troves of these things so I kind of went from there with it that's great. Yeah, it was dance choreography from Scotland. Oh. Yeah, I had kind of like comedically, I had just looked up like how, because it occurred to me and I was like, there's got to be like scripts that people write that have like, I was like, how do you instruct someone how to do a dance like on paper? Oh. Like it, I was like, it can't just be like step one, do this as like a sentence. There has to be some kind of like standardized, like diagrammatic thing. And so I just like started looking up that and found kind of like how it's displayed in here with these like kind of step arrangements as these tiles um and then i thought it would be funny to just make a dance called performance of the birth that started with one person and with two and kind of tried to work around that idea of like the kind of some type of card that when you did it properly would like instruct you how to kind of like immaculately conceive the other player <laughs> I, I like that i like that sort of like very um you know like ancient magic sort of thing you know? yeah <laughs> sprinkle the bad blood i i also saw the especially the one on um page 77 um because there's a bunch of um maybe not maybe I'd, oh yeah because exterior sun cube so i i got back into the uh the time cube rabbit hole did do you either of you guys remember oh. the time cube guy <laughs> yes, I remember the time cube oh my god i was like is there a time cube so. reference in this book um no it, this is evan's section um, oh okay and i think the time cube was locked deep in my brain so <laughs> it couldn't have been me <laughs> the time cube evan is this like guy who had this old like web 2.0 style page that was like his theory of the universe centered around the time cube um, I don't remember the details. Maybe Joe has like. Uh, yeah, I just rewatched a forty-five minute video on it. Um, <laughs> I'll put it in our group DM. Um, it basically each day, has, each rotation of the Earth has two days and four or and two nights. Um, so it's a it's a four day cycle in one day, and uh, like, oh, I'm 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 stumbling now. Um, there is a lot of like. Um, the earth rotates on like four different axes um uh the number four has a big like numero numerological um significance to him so there's like four stages of life there's four races um 
but like in all of that his story is also about how an old man uh came to interact with the internet in the age of you know like people really just kind of going after crazy people on the internet so he did like a lecture at mit and everybody was just making fun of him the whole time kind of but like also playing along um uh, (laughs) but the the diagram is is time cube reminiscent so i'm I'm glad that is the second like deep um deep reference i thought i got that i missed when i started reading it i uh it was not yet on goodreads and so i was typing in cephalo and there is another book that is similarly titled that has a similar cover that is also a play with like two main figures in it um by some like italian guy about world war ii and i was like did i figure it out did i get the reference I like and then I said night. like I have I was like oh weird didn't see that before <laughs> like, I felt <laughs> like I was like accidentally shutting you down I was like oh huh weird how that lines up and you were like what do you mean it's not like the deep reference I <laughs> that's great yeah and that that comes from my like you know I feel like everybody else is like ten times better read than me so if I come across something that seems obscure I'm like oh this is the thing everyone's been referencing that I haven't been getting and it turns out that it's just not Um, if you ever find a reference in this book or any other books know that uh, you're correct you don't have to ask it's definitely there mm. Um, it's just world building these are they're all connected (laughs) what is it called what's the term hyper diegesis I think is, is the literary term yeah okay. this is garrett strickland's portology everything's connected good i'm, I'm so <laughs> glad all right um we, we are nearing time i want to give each of you a chance to kind of close out uh briefly your your final thoughts well i think that people should collaborate off of twitter all the time <laughs> uh it's great yeah i love the idea of collaborative literature totally it was a great experience yeah same especially that kind of like exquisite corpse method of just kind of going with the flow and kind of syncing up in that kind of unspoken way is really compelling um i think there's a kind of compulsion to do things in this highly structured way when you're working together to make sure everybody's on the same page but that free th- or free flow allows for like such kind of an unpredictable like interesting result yeah absolutely i feel like i feel like there's got to be new ways to do that too you know we talked about like surrealism and data and Mm -hmm. stuff like that where it's like i want to figure out what those are you know different conceptual interesting ways that you can make text collaboratively so i think that's what i'm excited about with it yeah that's the lesson to take from this is to grab your the closest person and figure out the new wonky way that you can assemble something together